funny actually because about 10 days ago I really felt God giving me the topic for this morning. Now it's nothing that's very new because we actually make this statement on our webpage and it's in our little Ignite Life Church who are us. Um, I was going to call it a brochure, it's really just a page isn't it? We'll have a brochure one day, praise the Lord. But um, I'm, I'm very keen on this notion that the purpose of Sunday is Monday and because we're meant to actually be out there in the world. So, you know, God created us as salt and light and uh, there's a world out there which is actually needing to see the gospel of Jesus Christ actually demonstrated. In this day and age where people are pretty sceptical, it's probably better to demonstrate than to tell people about the truth of the gospel. And I've, I've kind of got this little idea, I suppose, that these days, because the world is so sceptical, it's pretty hard to scare people into the kingdom of God. So you bowl up to your friends and say, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Or you take out some choice passages from Revelation, right, and you try to make it as scary as possible. You're going to go into the fiery lake. You're going to burn. You see, no one's scared. It's a funny thing, isn't it, that it's pretty difficult these days to scare people into the kingdom of God. And one reason for that is standards of education are a lot better than they are today. And people need to see much more or people need to experience much more than simply some words that are spoken by someone up the front with a microphone. In fact, most people would have stopped listening to me by now because people's attention span is so short and if you don't capture them straight away within the first four or five seconds, they turn off altogether. So it's pretty difficult to scare people into the kingdom of God today. It's not all that easy to talk them into the kingdom of God either. And uh, Andrew, you put a prayer request up on uh, the prayer um, site yesterday. Was it yesterday or Friday? It was yesterday. Because he's been having conversations with a friend who's obviously delusional. Yeah, but he's got the wrong end of the stick, hasn't he? Yeah. But it's very hard. A Andrew finds it hard to get the words to speak to him. And, and it's so difficult because people don't really take any notice of what we say today. But they do take note of what we do. So when we express love towards other people, they take notice of it. And one of the things we're very keen to do here is to equip you to be Christians out there Monday through to Saturday. You know, it's very easy for us to build a church based on Sunday only. And uh, look, I'm a pastor. I'm no different to other pastors. I'd like to see this place filled to the brim. I'd like to have a testimony that we had to move to a bigger building, etc., etc. Goes down well when you get together with other pastors. But I don't actually think that's the point. I do believe in numbers, by the way. Uh, I'm an economist. I, I told you last week, I think, I love numbers. Remember that? Andrew's had first-hand experience of how much I love numbers. Well, sort of, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. um, 
Now I've lost my thread totally. Where was I up to, up to Andrew? That's all. That's right. Numbers. Sorry, numbers in the church. I, I think numbers are important, but they're the score. Really, they're not actually the goal. And uh, I'm not too good at sport. Um, I, I only actually got ever got one run in A grade cricket when I went to high school because I was tall and skinny. They put me into the A grade team. I didn't even know how to hold a bat. Well, I went from A grade to D grade in one week. That, I reckon, was a record at my school. Anyway, the whole season I got one run. And that was because one day the D grade bowler was accurate enough to bowl the ball into my bat and it bounced off. <laughs> so I got one run. But I do understand, though, that when, when you're in a sporting team, for example, there is a goal. So if it's, if it's rugby... You can actually see the goal because there are goal posts. But see, you've got to focus on the goal, not the score. Do you understand the difference? The score matters, but the score is telling you something about how well you're actually getting the goal. So I think a sign of a healthy church is growth, and I desire growth because I desire to have a healthy church. But what we need to focus on on Sunday is not so much the numbers of people who are coming in, but the testimonies that you are hearing about how lives are being changed and how lives are being changed in such a way that people want to share about what's happened to them with other people Monday through to Friday. And one of the reasons why David and Ainsley are away today is that when we set up Ignite Life Church, we made a commitment that every one of us could actually be away for one Sunday a month. Now, usually we don't physically go away, but you probably noticed that I don't do the discussion point every week. One reason for that is you'd probably get sick of it. But the other reason is that even if I don't feel like it, I need to take a break so that I'm not you know, working on a Saturday night or getting up at four or five o'clock on a Sunday morning. And the reason why you need to take a break is that if you don't, sooner or later you will burn out. I've been involved in ministry and churches, not-for-profit organisations, for many, many years now, for about 30 years. And over and over and over again, I've seen people burn out. And I reckon I'm fairly good now at picking up the signs. And I even went to a pastor once and I said, see that couple over there? You've got to give them a break. Because if you don't, they're going to burn out. And he said, yeah, but they say yes to everything. And I said, that's why you're their pastor. You need to tell them sometimes it's time for you to take a little break. Now, he didn't give them a little break and they burnt out. They're now divorced and they're not even going to church. Now, I can't say that that's why they got divorced and that that's why they're not going to church. But what I know for sure and certain is that they got burnt out. And we want to actually try to design the whole church experience so that you're not going to get burnt out. Because burnt out Christians aren't much good to God Monday through Saturday. And uh, I've said to David and Ainsley, look, if it actually means that sometimes... We just have to, 
like sing to ourselves to an iTunes set, so be it. Uh, when we were meeting in our house, we used to do that more regularly than we've done it here now, didn't we, Helen? But um, you see, it's okay to do that. It's not as much fun, for sure. Not as much fun. But you see, the Holy Spirit is here anyway. God's omnipresent. It doesn't make any difference to God's presence whether we have Ainsley and David up here leading us in worship or not. And that's why I refuse to get upset if for some reason they can't be here. Now, the actual reason why they're not here, as you know, David's been working very, very hard um, in recent times. They're on the very cusp of signing some quite sizable contracts. So he's working 12 or 14 hours a day. Ainsley's pregnant. You know that. You've probably noticed that. And um, so that brings with it all sorts of, of challenges. And she finishes, finishes up work in another um, week or 10 days. And she's director of a childcare centre. So she wants to hand it over in good shape so that whoever takes her position is actually able to simply walk in and know where everything is, where everything's at, and won't sort of be all at sea. So they're just tired. And when they asked me if they could have a Sunday off, I said, sure, you can have a Sunday off. In fact, I want you to have a Sunday off. It's okay. And one of these days, I'll need a Sunday off, and guess what? It's going to be okay because we're allowed to do that because we want to be effective Monday through Saturday. And if we get burnt out through what we're doing on a Sunday, we can't be effective Monday through Saturday. So one of the reasons why we don't badger people to serve all the time is that we don't want people to be obligated on a Sunday. We want people to feel invited on a Sunday. And you know, we're the Church of the Great Invitation. In fact, our, our whole um, mission statement is centred around that. Um, we actually say here, what is our vision to be known as the church that models Jesus' great invitation, which is, come, follow me. Jesus never went around shaking his finger, saying, you've got to drop what you're doing, and you've got to come and join my team. He never did that. It was always an invitation. Come to me, all who travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Invitation, not obligation. And I dare say that, that many of us have been in church situations where it's become a very heavy obligation for us to be involved in a volunteer team of one kind or another. In fact, I, I like to show videos, one or two videos, just to break up the, the, the service and so on, on Sundays. And I was looking for videos on church volunteers. In the end, I chose not to use any of them because every single one of them, the theme was, we want you to come and volunteer. Now, it's a wonderful thing. We have got people who volunteer. But it's because they're responding to an invitation. They're not responding to an obligation. It was Jesus who had the obligation. He had the obligation to bear the sin of the world. He had the obligation to die on the cross, but he died on the cross so that we might respond to his invitation. And as we act out 
our Christian faith in our workplace, in our family, in whatever social setting we happen to be, Mondays through to Saturdays, we're engaging with others and presenting the invitation to them as well. And how good is that? How good is that? You know the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18? Go into all the world, make disciples of the nations, baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, the English language is not always as, as expressive of su- as some other languages. And as you know, the, almost all of the New Testament is written in Greek, a common Greek of the day. But it's much more expressive because, in fact, that go could also be translated, and perhaps it could be better translated as in your going. It, it's what we call present continuous tense. So in English we have present and past tense, but in the Greek there are more tenses than just those two. It's a continuous present tense, which actually means in going about your daily business. Preach the gospel, make disciples, baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. You see, some people think, and I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about theologians here. Some theologians would argue that it's the job of the church to save people. I'm talking about institutional church. But it's actually not, well it is. Let me explain that. If you have a look at the, the Great Commission, there are no exemptions. So it's not just the job of the institutional church to save people. It's actually the job of every human institution and every individual Christian to be engaged in the Great Commission. In Australia today, almost two-thirds of the population 15 years and over is in paid employment. That's nearly 12 million people. Almost two-thirds, about 65%, of people 15 years and older in Australia, they're in paid employment. Only 7% are in church, right? About 7% of Australia's population are engaging with the institutional church at least once a week. So where is the big mission field in our nation? It's actually not coming through the door on a Sunday morning. The big mission field is where we are Monday through Saturday. It's in our workplace where there are 12 million people, most of whom do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and many of whom have not even a nodding acquaintance with Christianity because they're two or three generations away from any kind of interaction with a Christian church. So most of us engage... In the workplace, many of, many of us engage, say, in, in, the, in uh, a sporting team or in some kind of social context. It's where you rub shoulders with other people, that's where you are going about your daily business. So every one of us actually has a responsibility to engage with the Great Commission 
and every human institution, not just the institutional church, but also business, sporting organisations, political organisations, educational organisations, they're all actually called by God to be involved in the Great Commission. Now, most of them are not because they see themselves as entirely secular institutions. But if you have a good look at the Bible, it's reasonable to see them actually as powers created by God. It's just that sin has undermined their purpose because sin actually pervades everything. It pervades the lives of most, if not all, human beings, including those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And it mars every institution, every power established by God to be used by him as an instrument to bring about human flourishing. So we don't have a full understanding of the church if we don't understand its important role in preparing each of you and myself to actually be outside these walls after our formal time together on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night. Now, it's a big ask, and it's not something that's easy to do, but I don't think we can succeed in it if we focus simply on what happens here on a Sunday. So that's the Great Commission. In going about your daily business, preach the gospel. That word preach can also be translated shout. And it's very interesting, you know, we often talk about the still, small voice of God. And remember it was one of those, oh, which one of, it was, um, oh, which one of the old prophets? Elisha. It was Elisha who had the experience of seeing the cloud as small as a man's hand. Remember he heard the voice of God as a whisper, the quiet, still voice of God. And you know we've actually built a whole doctrine around that. And many of us, if we were surveyed, would actually say God speaks in a still, quiet voice. But guess what? Almost every time God spoke in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word used actually means shout. See, God doesn't hide himself. God shouts so we can hear. And we hear, and if we know what's good for us, we obey. I was actually telling someone uh, last week that I like to hear and obey. I said, but I'm, I'm not very good at hearing and obeying. It's just that I'm not as bad as a lot of other people. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wouldn't... Um, <laughs> there'd be plenty of people, I think, who could run rings around me. But, see, the point is this. Preaching the gospel, it actually means shouting. Now, not necessarily literally shouting, but presenting it in such a way as people can understand it. So my, my harsh desire is that by the time you finish community time here on a Sunday, you're feeling confident that you could actually share something with someone out there. And I know when I was uh, lecturing in a secular university, in a public university, the, I can remember the very first time 
I sensed that God was saying, I want you to share your testimony. It was quite a few years ago now. And just bear in mind that you can be sacked at a public university for sharing your faith, especially if you do it during a scheduled class session. But I really felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that I needed to do this. So I actually told my class that in the next tutorial, I was going to be presenting them my arguments for believing in what I actually believe as an economist. Well, it was pretty interesting because about one-third of the class didn't come. During my presentation, about one-third of the class left, but one-third, this was a class of about 250, so about 75 or 80 people there. They stayed and they listened. Now, I didn't actually have a stream of people coming up to be saved, and I have no idea whether any of them were ever seriously impacted by what I said, but I shared because I felt that that was what God was asking me to do. And I did it a number of times in my uh, career as a public university uh, lecturer and re more recently as a, as a professor in a, in a university. But I always listened to God. I just didn't do it. I'd hear from God and then I'd set it up and, and typically one third of the class didn't turn up, one third of the class walked out, one third of the class stayed. Nobody ever complained about it. But I had the courage to share. And of course, I had opportunities to share with individuals as well. And um, I may have told you this story. So I'm 61 years of age now, so it's okay. I'm allowed to forget. So I'm allowed to tell you the same stories more than once. Isn't that right? Okay. Well, you know, I, I tried to actually be a true ambassador for Christ in my role as a manager there. And the day I resigned, people actually cried. I thought that was pretty good. Because it indicated to me that I was actually hitting the mark. I was doing something about carrying the truth of the gospel to people who didn't know Jesus Christ through the way I behaved as a manager in the workplace. And I did have the opportunity to challenge a couple of people directly about matters of faith. And as it turns out, the guy who was my boss, he used to ask me a lot of questions about the Christian faith. His wife was a Christian. She prayed faithfully for him for many years. About three months after he retired, he rang home. I wasn't home. Jeanette answered the call. And David said, I thought you guys would just like to know that I became a Christian. So who knows? It might have been that there was just that one. You know, but Jesus always comes after the one. So my hope is that you will feel encouraged after Sunday Connect as God leads you to actually represent the gospel of Christ in the way you act or in the words that you speak. So what do we, what do we think we do here? Well, my, my role... As a, as a pastor, is actually to equip you guys who are saints for works of service. That's from Ephesians. And uh, I know some people think, well, that's just the role of the church. And, and the acts of service here are acts of service within the church. But I want to suggest that it goes much broader than that because 
God loves the church. He loves the institutional church. I have no doubt about that. And there are, I think, some passages in Ephesians that make it very clear that God loves the institutional church and will never give up on it. Despite the fact that, you know, it gets marred by sin and all of, you know, all of the imperfections that we carry ourselves as pastors and church leaders. But this is not just about works of service within the context of the institutional church. It's whatever God has called you to out there, Mondays to Saturdays. And as I look around uh, this room, I can see many different types of service, not just to our God, but to other people that you folk are engaged in. We've got nursing. We've got childcare. We've got a Christian media. We've got flying, teaching, hopefully soon at university level. And I've, I've shared with you before, of course, that um, Jeanette was a stay-at-home mum for, for 25 years or so. So Barb still does a lot of stay-at-home mumming, if you can call it that, but she's got a couple of other little businesses on the side. So you're called into service, works of service. We're serving God no matter what we're called to, but we're also serving others. So what we want to do as best we can in the context of Wednesday Connect and Sunday Connect is to do our best to equip you. And the three-part series we did on work over the last three weeks was part of that equipping to give you a biblical perspective on your work. How God was the one who ordained work in the first place. He takes responsibility for sustaining our work. He takes responsibility for inspiring us in our work. But on the other side of the coin, of course, he requires it. Our work blesses God. Our work blesses others. And our work blesses us. And as we saw last week, of course, not everybody is in a perfect work situation because work, like so many other things, has been undermined, has been marred by sin. So, that's part of what we're about here at Ignite Life Church. We really believe that this is not actually the focus God wants you to have. He wants your focus to be on what you're doing out there Monday to Friday. That's not to say that what we're doing here is not important. It is important. Because God wants you to leave here more confident than you were before you came. One, that you've got a message that is worth sharing and living. And two, that you've got the courage to actually share that as God leads you when you're out there in that big, wide, wonderful world. And the second thing, as far as your own leadership at Ignite Life Church and of the church in general is concerned... Our role is to help equip you for works of service. I can't teach Dougal to fly better, but if he understands how God sees his work in a different light, then that empowers him more 